Hey y'all, this is Tam. I thought I'd talk directly to you tonight, or this morning, that is. I'm sitting in the Notel Motel in Joliet. It's about 1 a.m. now. I'm drinking a Corona Light. I traveled from Tennessee on Sunday for my first visit with Jamie in almost two years. Monday was the first visit, and it was amazing. Being able to talk for more than a 20-minute video visit or phone call may not seem like a lot to, to some people, but it really means everything to us. I posted some of this on Facebook, but according to our stats, we have a ton more listeners than we do Facebook group members. So, I I just wanted to share this with you as well. On my way for my second visit to State Bill with Jamie on Tuesday morning, he called me to let me know that they were on lockdown. They had already taken him to the visiting room for our visit. And, And I am telling you, he was crushed. He puts on a great face for us. He, he tries real hard to, to stay optimistic. You know, he's, he's smart and he's funny. You know, he's tired. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's tired of telling his story. Just imagine telling the same story for 20 years and begging people to support you and listen to you. 20 years in Stateville for something he didn't do. This is a very difficult fight. On top of that, nearly two years of isolation due to COVID, and it's taken its toll on him. I could hear Orange Crush through the phone, screaming, yelling, banging their batons on the bars while he was talking to me. And then we just got disconnected. He called back before I even got back to the hotel. And he was telling me that it was a fake shake, you know, or some shit like that. That means basically that Orange Crush, which is the tactical team, comes in there like that. So everyone throws all of their contraband out of the cell over the rails in the gallery. And instead of tossing each cell, they just go pick all of it up off the floor. But he told me right then, he said, just go home. It isn't worth it. You know, I told him no. You know, it means a lot to him when someone takes vacation time and, and, you know, takes a long drive and comes to, uses their time and their resources to come see him. And you have to understand that the whole time it's stressful because he's thinking, you know, there's a lot of shit that can happen. Prison is a violent place. We forget that. 
when we hear him, I think sometimes we just, you know, and I'm totally guilty of this, you know, he's just like my guy, you know, he's my best friend. We talk all the time, you know, he's my person and, you know, I, I think we just forget that he's in such a, a bad a bad place, if that makes sense. Um, you know, but he's so good at connecting. And I mean, it means so much to him. But I'm telling you, he is hanging on by a thread lately. The pressure and the stress of the fight, being in a, a violent maximum prison, and, and being isolated, just so isolated for so long, you know, just imagine no, uh, no human touch, no, you know, nothing that, you know, no kiss, no touch, no handholding, not seeing the faces of people that he loves in person. The, the hearing and everything that's going on in court. And you're always glad you're in court, but you're, you know, it's, it's stressful, you know. Um, trying to get in touch with your lawyer, trying to make sure that, you know, they've got everything that they need. Um, you know, I want to read this motion. He's very, very active in his case. So that's hard, and it's just a lot of, pressure and and stress and you know when he looks forward so long you know for something that we plan that may just not seem like a big deal but it is it really is a big deal um it's uh It just keep it. It makes him feel feel hopeless and defeated. And I had heard him like this. I don't know since maybe we lost the federal Habe. That was really, really hard. And I just he may not like that I'm telling you all this. You know that may be some private thing that, you know, if he, if it makes him appear weak, you know, but he's not, he's very, very strong, but I'm telling you this because you listen to this podcast for a reason, you know, there's a, you know, we are his people and he really needs to hear from us that he is worth it that he is getting out and that we do support him. You know that we're here for him and that we're not going anywhere, no matter how long it takes. These are the types of things that keep him going. They're the types of things that give him hope. 
and he he's just in a really bad headspace right now. So I'm just asking you to drop him a line. It can be like a postcard or a card. Just tell him, you know, you're thinking about him. You know, he's got a lot of things going on. Doesn't have to be some big old Tammy said thing. <laughs> Please don't do that. <laughs> but, you know, just uh, drop him a postcard and say, you know, we're here. We support you. We believe in you. Um, his address is James Snow in 50072 Stateville Correctional Center. P.O. Box 112, Joliet, Illinois, 60434. And you need to write it like that just to make sure it gets to him. No glitter, glue, just a plain card. Write him a letter if you want. Some people don't like writing letters, so sometimes a postcard is easier if you just don't have a lot to say. Unless it's cheaper. <laughs> You can also uh, set up an email account on connectnetwork.com using the inmate number N5072 in the Illinois facility. I think it just says State of Illinois, but it's not rocket science. But if you have any questions, you can always ask. You will want to write that email, and there's character limitation. I don't remember what it is, but you'll want to write that email, then log in and copy and paste it real quick because that system sucks, just like everything else in the fucking IDOC. So, no, I'm not leaving. I still have one more visit scheduled for tomorrow. What sucks is that because of COVID, I can't just hang out a couple more days, you know, because this isn't the first time that they've been on lockdown, but it is the first time that it's been so long since we've seen each other, which just makes it a lot worse, especially when we had such a good visit yesterday. And then we just, you know, it's just like a fucking anvil. All the schedule, all the, all the visits are scheduled in advance. So tomorrow is my last chance. So if they're still on lockdown, I won't be able to go. So everybody cross your fingers that they're off lockdown tomorrow. But all is not lost because I was able to head down to Bloomington and visit with Jamie's daughter, Nicole. And our good friend Andy today, we had what used to be our annual marathon visit, but this year it was a a bit delayed because of COVID, of course. Our next episode, or two, will focus on ballistics. And we have a wonderful interview that's, it's still an edit from Patrick Persley. He's an Illinois exoneree who successfully initiated getting ballistics testing 
uh, included in the Illinois Post-Conviction Act, and who was also the first case to be overturned in Illinois by that testing. I mean, the guy literally worked all that from prison and basically exonerated himself, created a new law to fit his evidence. And, it, you know, it's such an amazing thing. And, I've, you know, we've known Patrick for years, and we love him and uh, his girlfriend, Michelle. So we have a great interview. Like I said, it's still an edit. Um, but you will not want to miss that one. I think we're going to do two episodes on ballistic. One is going to be Patrick, and then the other is going to be the ballistic issues in Jamie's case. So, also, just to let you know, on Monday night, I was a guest on Bob Ruff's True Crime Binge. So, we got snowfalls in there on, you know, with all of those, all of those great people. And we really, you know, appreciate Bob inviting us to be on his show. Hopefully, that will be out Wednesday morning, and I can link to it. So, you'll have a little bit more to listen to. Since the Parsley episode is still in in edit. So let me get this posted for your listening pleasure. And, uh, you know, we just want to thank all of you for your continued support of Jamie. I mean, this podcast is not about making money or, you know, I mean, we're, we're, (laughs) it's hard. We all. We all work full-time, and I'm not trying to whine. I'm just saying it's a lot of work, but we want to put that information out. We want it to be factual, and we want you to have access to that information so you can make an informed decision. And, uh, you know, if nobody else is going to put the truth out, we know when we're done that it's out there on the way down to Bloomington and the way up. I've been listening to, to last season and we've gotten better with the audio and stuff. So some of it is like, ah, you know, I really need to go back there and fix it, but we don't even barely have time to get the episodes out that we do now. (laughs) And we want to keep you, you know, going, keep things coming out once a week that are quality but it's not bad it's not bad it's not bad for I guess there's five of us (laughs) but it's not bad for a group of people who've never done a podcast before and and it's better than a lot I've heard and I'm really I'm sure we all are really really proud of the work we've done and it's a you have to understand it's a it's a culmination of 11 years of work uh, fighting scraping scrimping for information over a five-year FOIA lawsuit 70 FOIAs filed since 2011 talking to people interviewing people trying to get affidavits trying to talk to as many people 
as we can all along the way. It, it's, uh, you know, we're really, we're really proud of it. And, and I hope you are too. And I hope that you're proud to be a part of it because that's, that's what matters. We, we need exposure. We need people to listen. We need money to do advertising. You know, we need to be a guest on big podcasts with lots of downloads. I mean, however we can get exposure, you know, if you can be a a patron, be a patron. If you can uh, donate to PayPal, donate to PayPal. If you can share links when the podcasts are posted, do that. If, If you can like it, if you can review it, if you can like it on, you know, the, I mean, all of that stuff is free and it, it always gets Jamie's story out to more people. The exposure matters. I mean, Jamie needs us more than ever right now. And all of us are the glue that is holding him together right now. We will win this fight because we will never, ever let those bastards grind us down. So here's Jamie with his thoughts on the hearing this was recorded on 721, I think. Not the greatest recording I was working, but I think it's important for you to understand his perspective on the documents issue. Thanks, y'all. And I and I really want to thank um, my co-hosts. Bruce Fisher and Leslie Pyers. Y'all are incredible. Thank you so much. Well, I just wanted to thank everybody real quick for logging in for our last court hearing. It really was a really good turnout. You know, so many of you guys showing up, and I, I think it uh, sends a good message, I guess, to the court, to the state, that at least people are paying attention and, and actually care about what's going on with this day. So, I really wanted to give you know everybody a shout out and, and, and thank you for taking the time you know to log in. And I've kind of been struggling this week with my thoughts about the whole thing, right? And it wasn't much of a surprise to me, I guess, what what happened and what transpired. I mean, I, I kind of figured that it was going to be you know along those lines. I guess I'm glad that the judge asked my attorney Lauren to file a motion and get get it in writing and get the arguments down on paper so that he can rule on it. So I, I, I'm not sure how that's going to play out, but, you know, I, I think it was the right thing. My biggest question is, and I'm, I'm really conflicted with this, right, is because, you know, I want to give the benefit of the doubt to the state, right, because they, state's attorney that's handling this case and the state's attorney that's in McLean County right now, they didn't prosecute the case, right? So I, I feel like, you know, I want to start out giving them the benefit of the doubt because it's never 
too late to do the right thing. And I, I figured that eventually somebody's going to do the right thing. And that's how I felt all along the way, right? But now that I see that they're just, it's business as usual, you know, I mean, they're fighting to turn over the documents. And the argument that they're claiming that, well, this isn't the appropriate form. This isn't the appropriate time, blah, 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 right? So the appropriate form and the appropriate time was definitely a pretrial. And I know that the case law says that they're supposed to turn the discovery materials over before you go to trial. I mean, when is it appropriate for the defendant to have all the materials he needs to defend himself against, you know, the worst case that you could possibly be charged with taking another human being's life, when is it appropriate? Well, the law says that it's appropriate pre-trial to have it, right? And then post-trial, I took the avenue of proceeding pro se as my own attorney because I figured the only way I'm ever going to be able to defend myself is I've got to have all the materials, right? So without a law degree, without any legal training, I was able to get, you know, a judge to order the state to turn over the documents. And clearly they didn't. They gave me 900 pages. And now we find out that there's almost 9,000 pages. So my question is, what is it going to be the appropriate form to say, okay, now we're going to give you all the documentation that you need to defend yourself. It's just maddening to me. And, and, and what really what really upsets me the most, and I think it should upset everyone, everyone that's listening, whether you believe I'm innocent, whether you, you believe I'm guilty, no matter what, if you believe in the justice system, if you believe in the, the concept of right and wrong, it should upset you that it seems that they've been rewarded, right? The state's attorney's office has been rewarded every step of the way for failing to adhere to what the law says they're supposed to do, turn the documents over, right? I mean, they got they got 12 jurors to believe I was guilty by not turning the documents over to a pretrial so that we could at least combat the case. They've gotten circuit court judges. You know, they've been rewarded by circuit court judges like on my post-conviction that denied my post-conviction because what? They were hiding, you know, they, they were withholding evidence. They've been rewarded by the appellate courts. And they've been rewarded with favorable rulings from the courts and judges all the way down the line because they've withheld so many documents. And I can say it's because they've withheld so many documents because through the FOIA, you know, Freedom of Information form, we've dug up so much stuff, so much evidence on their witnesses that it's just unbelievable that anybody could ever say that it wouldn't have changed the outcome of the trial had we have had we've had the information. So it's like now you're saying, okay, we will agree to give you all of the documents that have to do with with the forensics. Right? We'll, we'll, we'll give you that. We'll, we'll agree to give you everything that has to do with the forensic. And my question is, why should we believe that you're really going to turn over everything that has to do with the forensics when you've never followed the law? Brady versus Maryland is the Supreme Court rule dealing with discovery. Why, why would we now believe that you're going to do what you're you were supposed to do 20 years ago. And why are we now supposed to believe that you're going to follow a judge's order to turn stuff over when it didn't?
15 years ago. So now all of a sudden, because you say that you're, you know, and I hate to say that you, because I, I, I hate to put Clay County State's Attorney's Office and the people that's handling this case now in the same category, in the same boat with prosecutors who prosecuted me and who have been ducking the judge's orders to turn the, the, the material over for so many years. So I, I hate to say you, because I hate to put them in that boat, but I don't see any difference in the way that they're handling the case as people that have come before them. I mean, it's the same thing. You know, they're, they just want to keep the conviction. They don't care about the other issues in the case. And I'm really concerned about if, if you're not willing to turn over evidence dealing with the credibility of a witness, a jailhouse snitch, for example. We've just recently dug up stuff on, on one of these jailhouses. If you've been following the Snow Files, the podcast, then you know what I'm talking about. We've dug up some evidence on these witnesses, specifically one witness that absolutely got a deal and lied about it at trial and was told to lie about it by Tina Griffin. If you're unwilling to turn those sorts of documents and, and evidence over, why should we believe that you're going to turn over forensic documents and forensic evidence that could possibly help me? It's just my hope is that Judge Escapa is going to recognize this, and hopefully he is going to be the first judge to render a fully informed and accurate ruling in this case. No judge yet has. No judge has been allowed or has had the ability to render a proper, fully informed decision in this case because, you know, the evidence is being withheld from the defense. It's hard to defend yourself when you don't have the evidence. So that's how I feel. Maybe somebody can... Maybe somebody out there who's listening has a better understanding of legal precedent and uh, authorities or whatever, and you can, you know, you can enlighten me. You know, I, I'm wondering if the proper time and the right forum isn't the proper time and the right forum. When is it to turn over the material to, to the defense to defend themselves? And it should be something that everybody is concerned about because if they'll do it to me, they'll do it to you. Don't ever think they won't do it to you or do it to somebody that you care about or somebody that you love. You know, if you, if you let them get away with it in my case, they'll do it to somebody that you know or somebody you love. So it, it affects everyone. So uh, anyways, I appreciate you guys allowing me to, uh, you know, get on my soapbox and rant about this. But uh, honestly, you know, the, the main thing I want to do is I, I really want to thank you all for coming out, uh, showing up, being a part of uh, what we're doing and, and, uh, and supporting me in the way that you are. 